Thank you for listening. This is Getting to Know You, a podcast introducing Jewish Federation of the Desert, CEO Alan Potash, to leaders, influencers, and people of interest in the Coachella Valley. I'm Jeff Hawker, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Alan Potash. How are you today? Jeff, I'm great. Good to see you again. A new pair of glasses I see again. Oh, no, 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 no. I just rotate them. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to see you. So who have you brought for us today? To well, I'm very with? excited. Uh, Jeff is a good friend of mine and a uh, business associate. Uh, Jeff Norman is the vice president of marketing and public affairs for the McAllen Theater. Great. Well, welcome, Jeff. Well, thank you. Good to have you here. You're in a room full of Jeffs. I, it's okay. <laughs> I, I, uh, I have been in an environment where there are multiple Allens. Uh, they, I, I'm sure you have. <laughs> so I, I, I get that spirit. So first of all, the podcast is about getting to know you. Uh, so first of all, who are you? What are you and why are you here? I, I, I often have that identity <laughs> crisis myself. You and uh, the Marx Brothers, right? Exactly. We're Admiral, Admiral Stockdale. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Jeffrey Norman. I'm uh, Vice President of Communications and Public Affairs at the McCallum Theater. Uh, I've been there for 10 years. I uh, handle everything that has to do with words uh, for the organization. So that's kind of cool. I get to do everything from funding proposals to social media and speech writing and acknowledgments and all of that kind of so great you're, stuff. So you're a very busy person. I, you know, it, 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 uh, the day goes by uh, pretty quickly. Uh, I, I've been in the Valley for 10 years. Uh, I moved here from uh, New Jersey. I'm a, a I'm a, a real tried and true <laughs> Jersey boy. When when we had the uh, company of Jersey boys here, they came with a bunch of trucks, and of course I had to pose by oh, it there you because go. you know yeah. if it's not on Instagram, it didn't happen, right? <laughs> so um, yeah. And uh, prior to uh, coming here, I was the uh, vice president of public affairs for the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in downtown Newark, New Jersey, for twenty years. So how did you go from New Jersey to here? I mean, this is. That's a quite a move. Yeah, it was. I uh, I always knew I wanted to end up out here. I thought I would retire here. Uh, and uh, I found out uh, at my job, we had had a new CEO for about a year and a half. And uh, it, yeah, having worked with a founding group of people, I was there five years before we built uh, the New Jersey Performing Arts Center. So it was very much kind of, you know, uh, my legacy, uh, and somebody new came in, which is great, and that's supposed to happen. So I just started seeing what maybe the next challenge would be. Uh, it came to my attention that uh, the McCallum had a new CEO, um, so I thought, well, maybe he might be looking for new people to join him, and then just on a whim, I sent him an email. Uh, turned out he had actually worked with a, one of my most cherished uh, co-workers, and that's great. she said, oh, yeah, no, he's a nice guy. I'll put in a good word for you. And next thing you know, I'm flying out here, and uh, he made me an offer, and I said, maybe it's time to do something different. And then I got to meet wonderful people like Jeff Hawker. And, yeah. uh, That's exactly this. what happened to me when I moved to Palm Springs. Is that right? I got an offer. Like, she hired me on the spot. You know, I, I think a lot of times because we're from big markets, they, Palm Springs businesses look at people and they say, wow, you know, you get this real world experience and they grab onto you and say, you're not letting, not letting you go. It, it's true. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of people from the New York metropolitan area here, uh, and especially in, in kind of my line of work in, in the arts, uh, there's a lot of Broadway performers and press agents and producers who have ended up out here, uh, which is great because they demand 
a top quality uh, arts experiences here. And so uh, along with the McCallum, you've got a couple of great theater companies here. You've got a wonderful cabaret series at the Art Museum. You've got the Purple Room. You've got all this stuff going on. You've got the Art Museum. I mean, you know, so, but I think the, the it's a, a function of the, the, the people who come in from other places who expect world class. And so it's a privilege to be able to do that. So within my first couple of weeks of being here, I've been invited, I had been invited to the McCallum for several performances. I'm blown away by the quality of performance, but also just the beauty of the space and the welcoming of the staff and the ushers. Well, thank you. All of our ushers are volunteers. And some of them, the McCallum is actually 35 years old this year. uh, And we've got three or four of them who have actually been volunteering for that entire time. And they're wonderful. And they know that they're kind of the first line uh, uh, that people, people will base their experience on how they're welcomed. So we pride ourselves on doing that. The wonderful thing about the McCallum is the last seat in the house is only 90 feet away from the stage. So even though there's 1,100 seats in that uh, in the theater, it feels like a very intimate space. And I, I honestly, I've sat up top, and, and it's, it's a wonderful experience. So it is a nice experience. My only challenge is if you're in the middle of a, an aisle, middle of the row, you're stuck there for a while. That's European seating, <laughs> and that's you know the, it has almost ever been thus. Uh, and that, that, that's true. But, you know, somebody, if you got to make your way out, there's a way to do that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think you've done a nice job with uh, COVID and being masks and showing the vaccination card. And I haven't seen any conflicts with people not being able to get in and no, no fights or anything. So it's a good tribute to, to however the staff can handle those Thank situations. I, I do have a couple of serious questions. Sure. You're coming from a, a very large metropolitan area of of Greater New York, New Jersey, and the volume of performances that took place then are still there. Uh, how do you deal with the change of the seasons here where you really stop having shows come May? From May to what, October? Yeah, really... pretty much, yeah. Well, it, it, we, we do stop having shows, but we don't stop working. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we need to do to get prepared for the fall, a lot of deadlines to, to be met. And so, uh, you know, but many of us take our vacation during that time, too. You know, honestly, from pretty much from November to the end of April, there's something in that theater every night of I the know. week. Yes, I know that. So, and, and more often than not, the show changes from night to night. Except when we have you know, Pink Martini or Ten Tenors or Broadway, yeah. so our staff runs ragged. You know, our backstage people are the best in the business, and many of them have been there for thirty plus years. And they just, you know, it, it, at the beginning of the season, it's take a big breath and just keep going. And, and we know what the last show of the season is going to be, and we keep your eye on the prize and then try to stay healthy. Oh, well, I think that's important. But I, for me, I've only been out here a year, and it's hard to see that everything starts to slow down in April. Uh, even in March, I think you're seeing some, you know, slowing down. So I'm not sure if you're filling the house as much in April or... Well, we've got Come From Away coming. Uh, it's and, a great and We've play. got eight performances, and we're virtually sold out. Uh, Riverdance is going to kind of close out the season. Uh, there are still tickets available for that, so we welcome people coming, but it's selling well. And then we do uh, something which is a uh, program of our McCallum Theater Education Division uh, called Open Call, and it's a valley-wide talent project. And uh, people auditioned for it, and they chose 20 acts this year. Um, about 65, 70 people are going to be in the cast, ranging in age from 8 to 84, 
That's great. And when I first got here, I was like, oh, dear, I have to sit through, a, you know, a talent show. I refer back to the, our wonderful uh, uh, crew. Uh, we've got designers who work with them. And this is, you know, this is a week-long education program. Everybody does their own act. There's singers and dancers and musicians and magic and what have you. They all do their own and they work with a professional on that. And then they do this grand finale. Everybody's in the finale. Uh, so they're working with choreographers and musical directors and costumers. And, and it's, it's really, really first rate. So when, when is the grand finale for that? Uh, April 21st and 22nd. Uh, we just added a third performance. So we've got two on the 22nd, uh, mm-hmm. Friday night and two on Saturday. I'm a big fan of arts education. So thank you for doing that. I, you know, we're, we're kindred spirits there. Uh, we have a, uh, a, a woman, uh, her name is Kaisa Thurston Freire, who's been our vice president of education for 25 years. Uh, she created a program that is truly extraordinary. We serve multiple thousands of children every year. Uh, we learned during COVID how to kind of pivot a little bit. And so we went from in-classroom stuff to uh, a lot of uh, virtual stuff. And now that we're allowed back into classrooms again, uh, we have a hybrid thing going on. So we're actually serving more students than we had even prior to COVID. So do you have, do you go out into the schools or they come to you? We have uh, both, both. We, uh, we have a, a staff of teaching artists and they're all professionals uh, and they will go into the schools uh, either in person or virtually uh, for three uh, classes, three workshops. Then we bring the students to the theater to experience the art that they've been studying. And then we go back afterwards to talk about it and to have the students actually participate in some way in creating their own art. Uh, we've got a, a field trip series where we bring thousands of uh, students to the theater. Um, that's been replaced for the last couple of years by a, an online performance series. Mm-hmm. It's curated, but we don't just give the performance. We give them curriculum materials, and we that's work great. with the teachers, and the teachers come for a week-long workshop to figure out how they can integrate oh, uh, the great. arts into their curriculum, not only just the art the, the art itself, yeah. but into math and, and science and language arts. And every study that's ever been put out says children learn better through the arts. I agree completely, although that wasn't my case. But that's something else <laughs> well, I did. And we're really fortunate here in the Valley because the school districts really want and are eager to get these performing arts organizations like the McCallum to come and, and teach them. Whereas that's not always the same. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I you know, back, back in my day, um, they pretty much started mm-hmm. to remove the arts from schools. Yeah. You know, and it was all extracurricular. And if you, you know, had the, the inclination, you, you would do it. But it stopped coming into classrooms. And it, it, be, it really becomes uh, uh, a function of, a, of, a, of a, an arts organization to create programming that can supplement what's being done or, or oftentimes replace what's not being done in schools. Right. So that's my experience on a personal level. I was an artist in the schools for the Nebraska Arts Council in the early 90s and loved going out into the schools, whether it's a elementary school or a high school or college, and working with the students on helping them express themselves through visual art. It, uh, it, and it makes a huge difference. There's, there's nothing like I, uh, prior, as I said, I was with the New Jersey Performing Arts Center for 20 years, and we had a, a performing arts uh, education program there. Um, one of our kids who just happened through the door one day, uh, ended up on Broadway, and uh, ended up uh, in this little show called Hamilton, 
and now he's on TV and on ABC. And then another one of our kids who started in our summer musical uh, just became the first transgender actress ever to be nominated for an Emmy Award. So I still get chills when I talk about that because these children could have made a right turn instead of a left turn. Yep. They trusted us as an organization that, like they do with the McCallum, uh, and their lives were transformed. So what differences have you gone through from the events or the experiences that you used to do in New Jersey to the smaller market of the greater Palm Springs area? What, what's different and how have you met those challenges and what, what have you been able to do here that you couldn't do in New Jersey? Oh, wow, that's a great question. Uh, you know, the, the McCallum, because of the, the, the shortened season, you know, I, we, we did not do as many performances, honestly, in New Jersey as, as, as we do here. So it's that whole race, 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 race through a season um, is, is something that is a pace that I had to get used to. Um, but, you know, it, by and large, things are, are the same. What, what, what's important to us is that we engage the community as much as we can and also engage the incredibly philanthropic community here to help us do what we do. Um, ticket sales only account for 60% of our annual operating costs. We are a nonprofit organization. Uh, so we have to raise philanthropically somewhere around $8 million a year. Um, it's a heavy lift, especially in a community that people are not here all the time and have commitments to other uh, communities. But the generosity here is extraordinary. Well, I will agree with you on the generosity part. And many of the donors that support the Jewish Federation of the Desert also are donors and supporters of the McCallum and the programs that exist there. I notice every time I go to the McCallum that I, I know at least five or six of your major donors. And, and and the longer you live here, the longer you will you will realize that you pretty much can't go anywhere without running into five or ten people that you know. Right. So this is one one of the things that I love actually I, about this. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's uh, yeah. I've only been here a short time, but I've been in three restaurants where I've had to work the room already. Exactly. And, <laughs> but I, I you're going back to the the comment that you made about the donors that support the McCallum, but also live someplace else. Do you know if they also support arts programs in their home cities? Most often they do. Yeah, um, we we have a, we have a, a, a wonderful women's leadership council called the Muses and Patroness Circle. Uh, it was founded by Betty Ford and Lenore Annenberg and Dolores Hope. Oh, just three random people. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, they're celebrating their 35th year. Uh, Those three women are? No, 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 no. The, the organization. <laughs> the organization. But the, we just actually uh, calculated. And in that 35 years, they've raised $11 million for arts education. Uh, and these are women who were very active, either live here full time and were very active back uh, in their uh, in well, their, their home cities or... or divide their their loyalty a little bit but you know all you need to do is take somebody into a classroom or into the theater when the kids walk in for the first time and look at the chandeliers and their eyes pop up i always ask somebody do you remember the first time you ever went into a big theater and i do my grandmother took me into radio city music hall when i was a kid and i was hooked and, you know, so we, we try to do that with, uh, with, with our donors to get them to experience. There are certainly perks to, you know, to, to be a, become a, a member or a founder uh, of the organization. Um, but, um, but a lot of people like that, but they also like the fact that they're doing something 
for the community and for, for children. So let I agree completely. And you talk about the first time you're in a in a big theater. I, I also think it was uh, Radio City for me. Uh, not a, not for me. It was for my sister. But I had to go. All, my sisters. I had to go also. Uh, I wanted to go on the Circle Liner, uh, which I did also. But another 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 conversation. So you talked about ticket sales. You raise eight million dollars through contributions. Your total operations is about sixteen million. So the rest of that eight million or sixty million comes from ticket sales. That's right. How have you been finding ticket sales and the range and the pricing and the acquiring of tickets? The uh, this is wood, right? I'm knocking yeah. wood because m- many many theaters across the country have not rebounded from COVID, and they're down thirty forty percent in their audiences. We are not one of those theaters. We are at 97, 98% of occupancy, you know, pre-COVID That's great. occupancy, which is extraordinary. Um, the It's a really interesting, Mitch Gershenfeld, who was our president, mm-hmm. uh, CEO and artistic director, um, books the season. He's been there for 23 years. Um, he, uh, It's like a big jigsaw puzzle. So we try to put a mix in of, you know, the uh, performance that people have seen over and over again but want to see again uh, with uh, 20 or 30 brand new uh, to the to the McCallum uh, shows every year um, whatever's coming off of Broadway and whatever's touring and the classical stuff has to be booked two or three years in advance. And then we've got two tenants. We've got the Palm Springs friend of Philharmonic and uh, the Desert Symphony. So he's always trying to figure out, you know, what's going to fit on this day. And hopefully they're touring the West Coast at that point. Um, having said all of that, then we put a new season on sale, which we are going to be doing uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, and we hope that people feel kindly about it. We uh, the the show that sold out the, the last year uh, before any uh, any other was one night of Queen. Really. So this year we're doing two nights of one night of Queen. <laughs> <laughs> so I I went to the website. You know, as I look at our calendar for the Jewish Federation of the Desert, I need to plan around the McCallum and a few other organizations. And I noticed that you don't have anything yet up on the calendar for twenty the end of twenty three twenty four. And I'm a little nervous now. You're going to tell me of all these great things coming out. Now I have to reschedule my ideas of what I want to do for our Jewish community. You only have uh, you only have a couple of weeks to to, to wait. But I will tell you that if uh, if you become a member uh, for a hundred dollars, uh, as little as a hundred dollars, but you can obviously give more, uh, uh, you will get the information before the general public and actually be able to purchase tickets before the general public. And that money goes to support our education program and operations. So I'd like to be able to, to do that. Can you also tell me what it costs to be um, a season ticket holder? We don't do season tickets anymore. It, that, that has kind of, in this community, it just doesn't work because people are here and back and you know, the grandchildren are coming this weekend. And, you know, so we are a completely single ticket organization. And we, but we have many people who will buy 30, 40, 50 shows a year. I mean, I, I walk into the theater and, and there's, you know, so-and-so again. And she was just there the night before and the night before that. I, I noticed that the first uh, concert or performance I went to, I was given, Jeff helped me with some tickets, and it happened to be a row with four people that I knew from Nebraska. So I was blown away. Just I could use wow. it as, a, as an opportunity to re-engage with my community back home. Uh, it's good to know that you, well, I don't know if it's good to know or not, that you don't have a season ticket policy, but I, um, 
That the, opens a lot of ideas. The, um, but what you just said about reconnecting, I think that's what the arts are supposed to do. You know, going to a place like the McCallum, it's great to kind of see people and be seen, but it's also sharing a you know, communal experience together. Uh, and then if you can either connect or reconnect with people that you love, or you know, we tell people if you're buying tickets for a show next year, buy an extra pair and invite your friends to come too. Because then you're then you're making a whole evening out of it, and you're having that, and then you can talk about it for weeks and years to come. That you you saw the ten tenors together. That's a, that's a really great idea. Um, I have to think about that. I don't have any friends yet, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I, I, I have donors that I like to support. <laughs> that, 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 there you go. You know, it, it, it's a, it's a great business, uh, uh, you yeah. know, opportunity, and it's a great cultivation opportunity. And you'll give me the nonprofit discount. I Absolutely presume. not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always enjoy going to the McCallum, but one of the shows that rose above and beyond was the touring show of Hairspray. Yeah. It was unbelievable, the choreography and the costuming and just the staging. I, I had never seen a show like that where people were literally dancing on and dancing off in the wings and the costumes were constantly changing. I, I was blown away by that show. These are all, you know, top quality Broadway shows. So, you know, they're, they're, we just had, um, the, uh, the Lincoln center, uh, presentation of my fair lady. So even though things are scaled back a little bit while they're on tour, right. you're still seeing incredible sets and incredible talent and costumes. You know, well, we just had on your feet, uh, which I had seen in New York and it was just as good. Um, again, I think because people demand that. If we put stuff on, on, on our stage that people didn't like, which happens yeah. maybe once or twice, um, people would stop coming. But. So how did they decide? I know you go back to Broadway a lot. You, you, know, you're, you work with Mitch to help program and stuff like that. How does it work when, it, when they say it's the Broadway touring cast? How, how do they put that together? They, they, what, what usually happens with a show is, um, is, is after it, it is seen to be a success on Broadway, they will produce a, a, a touring company, a first touring company. And that goes to the major cities. So that will, you know, you'll see that in Chicago and L.A. and San Francisco. And then you know, after that's kind of run its course, you'll get a second touring company. Um, we probably, you know, in many cases, are probably a third touring company city. Um, doesn't mean the talent is any diminished or the, yeah. the, uh, the production values are any diminished. Um, it's just that, and also, because we're not a 2,800-seat theater like many of the houses across the country, um, there's a profit margin that the producers need to see themselves to agree to let us uh, you know, be the, the venue for them. So there's, a, there's one show in particular uh, that I won't name, but that we tried for five years to get. And uh, the producers didn't think that the, uh, uh, the yield was going to be enough for them. And, uh, so, and we were not going to make a cent. And the only place that we really can make a little bit of money is on Broadway shows. Um, so Cats, Lion, or Lion King, I'm not going to say which one, but yeah, no, those are big, no, those are we, big productions. Yeah, <laughs> no, we've never had The Lion King, and we've, we've never had Wicked. You, you never had Wicked? No. Doesn't need uh, that well, I yeah. saw it at the Balboa Theater in San Diego. Right, but that's a big theater. It's a, yeah. Yeah, that's a vast And really theater. a deep stage right. and wide stage where they can do all the flying. Exactly, and, exactly. That's a, we used that show in Omaha 
uh, for ma major educational opportunities. Mm. It's a great, mm -hmm. it's yeah. a great script. Uh, um, we're kind of running out of time, so I'm going to ask you a question. You probably will have to think about. So, in the ten years that you've been here, what has been the most memorable show that you brought to the McCallum for this community? For the community or, or me personally? Well, we can do yeah. both ways. Well, I, I, we, we had a show this year um, uh, called Hitting New Heights uh, that Jeff knows very much about. I sang it. Yeah. yeah. It uh, and it was two Broadway performers, uh, Javier uh, Munoz and uh, Mandy Gonzalez. They were both in In the Heights and Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And it was just an extraordinary night of song. I mean, it was that was totally one of my favorite uh, nights here. I think, you know, we like to bring in uh, artists and kind of introduce them to the community. So Mitch um, came across a group uh, in Australia a, a bunch of years ago, a young bunch of guys, and they're, they're called the Ten Tenors. And he kind of took a chance on it. And our box office manager at the time said, you're crazy, you're going to do three nights? And they ended up selling out. And so they came and he booked them you know, for three nights again the following year. And she said, what are you, crazy? You're only going to do three nights? <laughs> and <laughs> they have now gone on to become the most popular act in the history of, uh, of the McCallum Theater. We've got one we're introducing next year that we're going to hope that uh, are, are going to add to that. But prior to that, do you know who the most popular act in the history of the McCallum Theater was? Wayne Newton. You're, you're on the right track. <laughs> it was Stephen Eady. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. They, and we just did a tribute show uh, for them. Uh, What's the connection to Wayne Newton and Stephen Eden? Well, it's just that, that era. That era. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But different music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, they, they're I standards. I always yeah. wanted to see them. They're, they're now deceased, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, she is. He's declining. Yeah. 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 But this show starred his son and a, a Tony Award-winning uh, actress by the name of Debbie, Debbie Gravett. And um, they had all of their orchestrations. They had a 30-piece orchestra. And it was a great, great evening. So, again, you know, I, I encourage people, again, uh, you, you choose what you like. Come and see that. But take a chance every now and again and see something you, you don't know about. Mitch has a, a series called Mitch's Picks. And these are artists that are less well-known, uh, but he kind of guarantees you're going to have a good time. Um, there's a young lady who actually was a, a winner of Open Call uh, in 2004 who's going to be part of Mitch's Picks next year, and she's going to do her own show. That's great. Yeah, and she's gone on to Broadway. Success stories. Well, yeah, yeah. Jeff, Jeffrey, thank you for joining My us today. Pleasure. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Jeff, you want to take us out? This has been Getting to Know You. Thank you for listening. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcast and other podcast forums.